This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. Brace yourselves, there's a lot to deal with here. Scott Owen. Firstly, Raw Fans of Melbourne are going to have your head for that. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. Well, we're back again for another big episode of the Brisbane Football Review. Hello, everyone. It is James Scott and Adam with you on this Wednesday afternoon as we're coming to you. But by the time you're listening, chances are it'll hopefully be a slightly less miserable looking Thursday or possibly even Friday. And we've got a whole lot of Brisbane Raw action to recap after a fairly eventful weekend across the men's and women's teams. Scott, how are you? I'm good, James. Happy New Year and happy New Year to all our listeners out there. So hopefully they're all enjoying their um, vacation time, we'll say in sunny Queensland, but it hasn't been so sunny this afternoon, has it? It's been a bit cold and miserable. That's right, and yes, I probably... Oh, you mean a miserable, I should say, it's not cold. Yeah, I worked up a real sweat going to get lunch at work today, but um, yeah, it is, I suppose, Happy New Year as well, because the year is only four days old, even though it feels like we've had about three months' worth of news stories just in the sporting world alone, Adam. Yeah, so Happy New Year to uh, all our listeners and to you guys as well. And uh, yeah, it's uh, 2023 already and uh, it's been no shortage of uh, sort of news release. So let's just hope that in a way it does and does not uh, you know, continue as it has so far. Well, I should uh, t- take the listeners a little bit behind the uh, curtain as well and point out the reason that Adam and I are still uh, talking to each other is because our Fantasy League Super Bowl is still very much uh, in the mix. <laughs> Mm. So uh, we're going to have to yes. wait and see uh, how relations will go over the coming weeks and how NFL.com decides to uh, solve the issue that is, well, going through there at the moment. Scott, you might have to play mediator again. I am done playing Switzerland on this one. <laughs> so that means you're picking a side? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. Well, it was worth a shot. Um, yes, and also I think uh, as we are all NFL fans, we are hoping that uh, Damar Hamlin... Uh, recovers and yeah, all is well in Buffalo. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's uh, for those and th- for those who are not uh, NFL fans as well. Like, just think of what happened to um, Christian Eriksen. That, that's sort of you know where that's sort of the level of you know, concern there was. And look, like like Christian Eriksen, who made it made it back and you know played in the World Cup. Let's just hope that uh, Demar Hamlin make a similar triumphant return uh, for the Buffalo Bills you know, in the near future. But if not, I think he'd be lucky. At least glad to you know be to. I guess be uh, living again. I think because uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a shocking incident, and, uh, and it was just, it was a freak accident. That's 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 the sad thing about it is that in a, in a game that has so so many heavy collisions, it's the innocuous ones that really take by surprise. Oh yeah, uh, well said, Adam. And yeah, that's all the NFL talk we are going to have for you today. But it is probably the biggest uh, sporting story going around yeah. uh, in the world at the moment aside from um, that Portuguese guy signing for Al Nasser, but this one is a little bit more sombre and, I would say, relevant. And also, as well, the um, the passing of uh, the incomparable uh, Pele. I think we didn't. I think we haven't recorded since his passing. So oh, okay, go figure. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. So yeah, look, uh, and that, that's obviously, like I said, Pele obviously uh, transcended not only football. I think we as football fans all know what he means to our sport but I think what is so, I think so remarkable about him as well is that you know the, his death is viewed you know death of you know elite sports person of the world full stop and an incredible you know human as well so look, 
it's obviously it's a few days have passed, but uh, but yeah, like I said, we I think we in the football world lost you know one of our our greatest icons. Yeah, the first truly global football superstar wasn't he, James? He was well known and well loved all around the world, and he visited Australia a couple of times as well. But it's amazing. We think about the legend of Pele, how big that would be in today's today's world with the way media is now. How how much he would be celebrated now? It would be more than what. We're celebrating the likes of Messi and Ronaldo now. He's just an amazing, amazing footballer, and it's a sad loss for all of us. May he rest in peace. Yep, an icon of the game. All right, well, we've um, may as well segue into what we normally talk about, and that is, well, we'll lead off with our A-League match recaps, and the Roar have been in action twice over uh, the weekend. The men's side travelled down to Amy Park to take on Western United on Friday evening, which again just feels like a lifetime ago after the last few days, but it was another draw, five out of seven now for Brisbane on their unbeaten run, and it was surprisingly a pretty good start, Scott. It was, it's kind of the reverse of the way the draws have gone the last couple of weeks, hasn't it, where the Raw have come home with the wet sail in those games. This was a, a bright start, and they just weren't able to hold on, Western United, you know, to their credit, they went all out in the second half, brought on a lot of attacking players, and they ended up finding the equaliser through Alexander Priovic. But for the Raw, they played pretty well for most of that game, but weren't able to hold on. And I guess that's a concern, isn't it, James, that they did play well, but they weren't able to capitalise on it and pick up the three points that they needed. It's another draw. Leaves them in the middle of the pack still. We said last week, we're not sure where they stand in the league because they keep drawing games, but this was this was last week in the home game that felt like a point gained. This feels like it's two points dropped because of the way they were in control again. They were playing so well, and then they let West United back into the game. So it's a hard one to read. I mean, normally away from home in Melbourne, the Raw struggle away from home there anyway. So a point's probably not the worst thing, but it just felt like they could have got a lot more out of it the way the game was going. I think in isolation, you'd say this is a good result. Western United, um, after a very, very slow start, are starting to come their, into their own all, all of a sudden. And uh, look, normally you'd say that, that uh, yeah, look, a point at Amy Park is a good result. However, as you said, five five from seven uh, draws now, that that is becoming a concern because while you can say that's, that's seven that's seven games uh, with our loss, or seven out of eight. Uh, it's also is as well it, that that is also as well ten points less than what they should be. If they, if they if they get a result one way or another, uh, they even if they they win half those games, they're they're a top two, they're a top two hopes. So it's it's almost a case of draws. Draws obviously are not going to win you, uh, not going to win you. Uh, a premiership, but at least it's it's at least keeping them away from the bottom at the moment. So I think if they if they lost some of those games they drew, which last year was a definitely that that the mentality that team probably would have conceded another. Look, uh, yeah, I think there'd be a few people that might be in trouble with their job security. I think now, Scott, we're finally starting to learn that this might be what the raw side is. They're good enough to be competitive week in week out. They're stubborn at the back, but and they will have their moments of brilliance up front. That goal from Armiento was uh, the uh, arguably the best piece of interplay that the Roar have had in quite a while, uh, I'd almost say. But they're just not quite there yet in terms of having the difference makers to turn what you know should be draw or well, what should be wins into the three points. 
and I think we're starting to see now, they, they're good, but they're just not quite good enough to really be there or thereabouts. And that's probably... I think that's a fair... That's a fair summation, and it's what we said last week, wasn't it, with the um, transfer window opening. It's an opportunity for the Raw to go from where you said they're, they're good, but they're not quite good enough, to potentially that next level. I think you were right, we are kind of seeing that is kind of where they're at. That goal, by the way, for Carlo I mean, it had shades of the um, Matt Mackay goal, I think it was, in the, the Melbourne victory game. Everyone remembers the 36 pass goal at the other end of the field, but there was some great interchange play at the other end of the field in that game as well, so I think it was really reminiscent of that goal for, for Matt Mackay from memory in 2013, but with the Raw, defensively they're outstanding, James. Well, it's seven goals conceded from nine games, that's that's best defence in the league standard, but to only have eight goals in nine games, that's the problem. We've said it on the show before, that if you look at the historical tables, you need 40 goals to be in contention to win the Premier's plate. Well, they're a long way short of that, and defensively they're really solid. Offensively, it's not clicking. Is it? I'm not clicking enough. It's showing signs of life, but it's not enough there to be a team that can finish at the top end of the table. I think we said before last week, it's creativity and goals that should be on the agenda in January. And I kind of think Friday night kind of encapsulated why, because they had that little bit of extra creativity and that finisher in the front third. I think they could have put this game out of reach of Western United. I know they played well, but I think they could have put this game out of reach. This was a very winnable game, and Again, to me, it's a couple of points dropped. And just going into that second half as well, you kind of got the feeling that the the longer it went on as 1-0, you kind of worried that the Raw would be uh, suffering what they've done to a handful of teams already this year, which was not putting the game to bed and getting that second goal. And I, I don't know about you, Adam, but it just felt like, at one way or another, a second goal in the match was coming, and in the end, it wound up coming from Alexander Prijevic. Yeah, you always, you always had a feeling that after half time that Wesley and I were going to react, and uh, it, it took them it took them a little while, but eventually, you know, it came. And uh, yeah, I think the Raw they they really need that second goal just to sort of even even sort of put it you know, put it to bed as such. But um, look, I think it's I think it's pretty patently patently clear to even the most casual observer that where where it is with the raw at the moment is that you know defensively they're they're the best team in the league but um no no creativity no end product and this is why this is the difference between being a mid-table team and uh and being right up there on uh, melbourne city's coattails yeah and look i think we were talking about this on saturday at the women's game it does feel like you've got the team at the top melbourne city Two to ten is anyone's guess, and then there's Perth, which, you know, they they're getting Adam Taggart back, and you know, for them, the only way is up. It. They've also had a lack of home games early on as well. Well, that too, and you know, you just feel like at some point, the Raw need to start trending, trending upwards. Where I think they're stable, I think they've got a really solid foundation, but it also is telling that when they were chasing a winner, the best chance fell to. Uh, Jordan Courtney Perkins hitting an absolute thunderbolt from outside the area and it's just one of those things where is he really the guy that you want to be taking on those chances now if it had have gone in great but I'm also thinking where's the forward line like they've got guys who can score like we've seen you know Henry Hall uh, make a difference later on we know Mila Uznich uh, is dangerous with his pace you know, Joe Knowles still quite raw and whatnot as well, no pun intended. 
Berta, and you know, even Cyrus Demi. If he if these games were being played at NPL level, he probably would have fifteen to twenty goals for the Raw. The ability is there. He's just got to translate it onto this senior A League level, and he is still young. So I don't think we, I don't think it's uh, reasonable to say that his career is finished at this level. But I think you, you're looking at people and projecting for a lot of them, and that to me is where I feel like the major shortcoming is now. Where you were hoping Charlie Austin wasn't going to be a projection. He was going to come in and just start, you know, banging in 10, 15 goals and setting up another five or 10. And maybe that's where you kind of feel like they need someone who can just come in and you know what you're going to get. Like, you look at across the pitch, you know, Tom Aldrich, he's not going to back down from a challenge. You look at Jack Hingett, you're going to get an industrious worker up and down the flank. Courtney Perkins, Neville, they're all solid defensively. Jay O'Shea, you know what he is going to be. But just at that end of the pitch, you're always counting on someone playing a, above what their average performance level is. And we know that they can, but at some point they need to either start raising their average or uh, performing, or someone needs to come in who can actually raise that average overall. I think that's fair. In the front third, it hasn't quite... It is worth pointing out, Joe Knowles did start the game. He played initially in that right-hand side role, didn't he, for a fair part. It was Nikola Milosevic and Carlo... Armiento, who was playing up front, so they put the inform attacking player from the left-hand side up to the front. And it's fair to say it did work, James. That it combination did. on that side did did work quite well. Henry Hall coming in from the starting lineup that added something as well. But you mentioned the last few minutes of the game with Cyrus Demi and all the rest of them and Courtney Burke's chance. It is a positive for the rule that when they did go and concede that goal and get back to one all, they didn't just say right, we will hold on and we'll take the point here, and they weren't really under a lot of pressure. After that, from West, you know, it was almost like they ran out of petrol, and the raw were going for the winner because they were the ones who were on the front foot in the last four to five minutes. So, it's with the with the front third. You, it's like you're waiting for that breakthrough moment, aren't you? You're waiting for Joe Knowles to really have that breakthrough signature moment that says he's an an A League men's caliber starting centre forward. You're waiting for that moment from Cyrus Demi that he breaks through and gets that first goal in the A League men's. It's just not happening for them at the moment. And the longer it goes on, the more it just seems like, well, is it going to happen? You've seen the questions are being asked by, by the fans. I think it's fair to say that those questions are fair. But they have the, those players have the talent. Joe Knowles has proven he can score goals. Cyrus Demi has proven that he can score goals. It doesn't happen for them yet in the A-League. And to your point, James, the Raw do need a more proven outlet in that front if they are going to push on into that top two or three sides because... That's that's the one missing piece. Well, one of the two missing pieces at the moment. Well, look, I actually think the problem is is further back. You've got a one-man midfield, and that's Joe O'Shea. Joe O'Shea is almost being expected to play the role of three midfielders because look, let's face it, Connor Chapman and Kai Trun are defenders, or who have have got limited experience as midfielders. You may as well be playing. You may as well be playing. You know, six defenders. Because and look, it depends on where you where you sit, Carlo Armiento and all, all that. Because obviously he he was you know, being sort of groomed as a left wing back, but obviously he, he can get he's getting fought a lot more, and I think he looks more like a left winger these days. But poor old Joe Shea, as good as he is, he's he's being asked to do way too much, and it's just not 
it's just not um, happening for him. Not, but not from lack of trying, unless. But it's like he's trying. It's, yes, he's basically a one-man midfield. So I think that's where the problem lies. Until they actually get a midfield, like like you've got guys like Romadak Bari, who look, he's been okay, but you now limited game time, you know, to a point. You know, and like I said, then you've got Kai Truan and Connor Chapman are your two other options at the moment. Um, I think that that's where where. It, Line. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how good your front line are. And look, Armiento, Miliuznich, and Hoare have been fantastic. But the problem is, there's only one outlet. And as soon as teams are, and opponents are starting to figure out very quickly, you shut down Jar Shea, the Roar are anemic. Well, it is interesting you mentioned like going back to last week. We were previewing the transfer priorities for the Roar, and that was kind of why I feel like maybe getting, you know, a a, a running mate for Jay O'Shea in midfield. Is probably is potentially a bigger priority than getting a striker, because I feel like if you have that second creative outlet, they should be able to help put, you know, the likes of Miliusnich, the likes of Knowles, Demi, Armiento, Hor. Well, I'm not going to run through the whole list. Lofthouse, but you, if you get that second creative outlet, that just provides the ability to change things up a little bit, and it can also help them. I would say get those attackers into more favourable positions as well because you do have a way to stretch out that defence a little bit more. And that might I think be... Rick, sorry, I was going to say, I think Rick Udanzaki is probably supposed to be the, the key to that. But uh, look, he, he doesn't seem to be, you know, getting as much minutes. He's come off the bench the last two games. There's obviously questions about his his contract status at the moment. I think I think at Envisage at the start of the season, he was supposed to be that running mate for Jay O'Shea. But uh, that that seem, hasn't seemed to be panned out, and look, you know, I think I think it's a bit harsh to ask someone like a Jez Lofthouse to pick up a slack. You know, let, let let's face it. You know, while the fan pressure and the fan hype is, is you know incredible on Jez Lofthouse, he is still a second year player in this league. And let's not forget as well, like I don't I don't think Lofthouse is necessarily like if you stuck him in midfield, you know, ahead of Jay O'Shea in that sort of attacking role, I don't think that's uh, really well suited to his game. I'd rather see him one-on-one with a fullback, get the ball at his feet and say, all right, I'm going to beat you and either get a shot off myself or uh, try and create something for a Joe Knowles or a Milius Nitchell Hoare or something there. Like, his creativity works best out when he's out wide. I'm, mm, I think we're I all talking... I agree with that. Yeah, I think we're all talking about someone who can get the ball in the middle of the pitch and, you know, look up, go, all right, left, right, or take it myself. You know, that's the option for them. And, you know... and. Yeah, you're right. I think, well, we may as well quickly touch on uh, Riku because if transfer market is to be believed, then he may not be, uh, his contract with his parent club has come to an end. So now the question is, will we see the Raw wind up re-signing him? Or signing him as a uh, permanent player, Scott? I think the Raw, when they initially announced Riku's return, they said it was initially a six-month loan period and pretty much hinted strongly in that sense that there was going to be an additional deal after that. Now, we may not hear from the Raw about this, if, if he's there on Friday night against Melbourne Victory, it's fair to assume that he has a contract beyond that initial six-month period. So we'll find out definitively when the squad list comes out, probably a Thursday lunchtime for that game. But I think with the Jay O'Shea part of it, the first question I have to ask, where's he best used? Is, is Jay O'Shea a deep-line midfielder who sits in front of the back four and creates play from deep? Or is he someone you want in and around the front third linking up the play with that last pass for Armiento, Knowles, whoever the new striker is, etc. Which is he? 
Because I, to Adam's point, he can't do both. You can't be in front of the back line starting the play and then being at the front end of the field linking it up a second or two later. It might be one or the other. And then might, at some point, they have to decide which Jay O'Shea is and then go and get someone to fill the other. In my, so I'll jump in. In my, in my opinion, um, I look at what Corona did a few years ago. That, that centre midfield, that's where I think he plays the best. Um, where and where he probably would play the best in this raw system, so I think that I think what the raw need is a number ten. Yep. Okay. Well, that actually uh, kind of kills the question I was about to ask. No. If you had the choice of uh, these four uh, central midfielders, who would you sign for this team? Assuming they, you know, not in their current state, but uh, in their in their in their status when they came into the A League. So, would you take? The 2008 versions of Charlie Miller or Mitch Nichols, the 2000 and let's say 15 version of Luke Bratton, or Corona in the year he played for the Raw. Scott, oh, I'd take that midfield as a group to be honest. <laughs> or, with you. or a healthy or a healthy Brett Holman when he signed for the Raw. Just, I think it's more. I think it's more that Miller Nichols. Holman type. I mean, a prime Luke Bratton would be amazing in midfield, but I do think, I agree with Adam J. O'Shea is probably, I think he's better off in that deeper area, so I would look for the goal-scoring threat out of midfield, which I think is probably what the Raw that would almost solve two problems in one, if they had a goal-scoring midfield, like a, a Mitch Nichols under Ange Postacoglu, won't be a popular opinion given the way Mitch Nichols soured himself with the the Raw faithful over, his, over the last few years, but a goal scorer midfielder like that, he was a very important part of that back-to-back championship winning side. So I think that would solve a lot of problems for the rules. I would probably lean in that sort of direction. Yeah, look, that uh, I think yeah, that Brett Holman type, uh, the Brett Holman type, that yeah, that, that goal scorer midfielder. I think that's what the raw need. And until they find that, um, look, if I if I'm being if I'm being deadly honest, I don't think the raw are, are a premiership threat. No, they've got they've got all the other pieces, but I think without that, and I think that goes for the majority of teams in in the A League. If I'm if, if I'm being honest, I think that if you don't if you don't have that that deep lying midfield threat to score goals, yeah, you're not you're not going to get too far. I think I think if you look back over the history of the A League, most of the champion teams have had that. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and it is have it's one thing to have that you know primary goal scoring option and. Like, I even think back to that uh, first double winning season, and I don't think it's I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Solorzano and Barbarousas, who I think finished level in the Golden Boot standings for that year or there or thereabouts, I don't think either of them were necessarily that you know caliber of striker that Bessart Barusha was for the other uh, two title winning teams, but because they were able to get into the right positions, they were made to look as good as they could. Yeah, so Barbarossa scored 12 that year. Slaws, no, 11. Reynaldo had five in half a season. If he stayed a full year, he probably would have been around that marker as well. But Mitch Nichols popped up with six goals, and so did Thomas Broich. And James Meyer had four when he burst onto the scene. So they had goal scorers from midfield, didn't they? That was the, yeah. that was the key thing. I mean, look at the midfield now for the Raw. They're good players. They're just not contributing on the goal-scoring front. So I do... Well, the focus is on a striker, and naturally so... Uh, that goal scorer in the midfield would be, I think, the thing that would put them over the top to be a genuine premiership contender with the likes of 
Melbourne City and the Wanderers who looked pretty good as well, to be fair. Yeah, you, you want someone who can sort of fill that void, five goals, five assists, and just, but for lack of a better phrase, make stuff happen. Because also as well, I think then it stops, because at the moment, I, if, if, I, if I'm you now a coach, uh, coaching the Raw at the moment, all I'm doing is I'm just, I'm just filling the box. I'm I'm just I'm just defending and just tell you, if you could tell you, if you you've cut off the supply line for Jay O'Shea and you and you sort of go just bump out the other two guys and defend yeah you, the Raw aren't going to pose much threat no I think that's what they need that threat from from midfield. Yep. All right. Now we do have a uh, bit of a light-hearted moment to end the match recap on, and that was uh, Warren Moon in the press conference because it was I, I'll let you set this up, Scott. But from memory, he was asked about Joe Knowles. Yeah, so Nick D. Urbano, one of the journalists down there in Victoria, very good journalist, by the way, does a lot of good stuff down there, asked about Joe Knowles and his first return to Victoria for the Brisbane Raw, and this was Warren Moon's quite humorous response. MPL Victoria, it's the centre of the universe, huh? Yeah, it's the best sure league. Is. It's the best league in Australia, according to everyone down here. Uh, yeah, well, we give you enough down here, don't worry. Um, I mean, he's right. That, that's pretty much all I have to say on that. We've been, we've been saying it for years, so... Uh, so we know Warren listens It's, it's to good, us. good we've got qualification on that now. Yeah. I will say for people, get used to hearing that clip, because you will hear that a lot over the next 12 months. We will be finding multiple ways to use that on multiple different shows that we are on. Speaking of, hey Scott, is there going to be an NPL yes. Sunday show this season? There will be, coming next month. Oh good. Stay tuned, because our NPL coverage will be getting underway very, very soon, and we've actually just started working out how to... Uh, handle the season previews because oh my god the season is five weeks away and it, and you'll be hearing that clip a lot on the sunday show by the way and it will be center of the universe adjacent i.e the npl queensland competition the origin of the universe if npl okay. south queensland <laughs> is the center of the universe then npl queensland is the origin of the universe yeah i don't know i don't reason yeah i think i know the big bang theory is it's, it's a comedy show Yes, it was. All right. Uh, and our final point for this match will be the 3-2-1 votes. And uh, I believe, Scott, it is your week. Yes, I wanted to give the three points to Warren Moon for that quote, but unfortunately I can't do it. Uh, three for Carlo Armiento, two for Henry Hoare, and one for Tom Aldred. No arguments with that. All right. Um, let's move on now to Saturday at AJ Kelly Park, not AJ Brown Reserves. It has been called in the past uh, and we will discuss what was a rough afternoon for the uh, Royal Women's side as got a bit of a reality check at the hand of Sydney FC but it wasn't all doom and gloom was it Adam? Look uh, Sydney are a good team it's, it's as simple as that uh, Ante Juric has got that team absolutely flying apparently when they beat the Raw 4-0 the first time they were still under, underdone so I was scary to think what uh, they they could do uh, they 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 they're a stronger lineup than they were uh, three weeks ago with uh, with uh, Nelly Tobin their captain back and look they uh, were over the hill and had it settled before the hour mark and uh, look I, I I take a bit of offence to the whole oh it was a training drill as a certain publication um, so sort of described it but. Uh, but yeah, look, they 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 they're another level, Sydney. But uh, look, the Raw weren't all bad. It's just yeah, they just took on a team that are very very good. I think the uh, mo- I think the most appropriate phrase I can think of is ran into a sky blue buzzsaw. Yeah, they were outstanding, Sydney. Yes, they weren't. There's no two 
ways you're out. That front third of Princess Sabini, Madison Haley, and Courtney Vine, who didn't actually get on the score sheet. Courtney Vine in her return to AJ Kelly Park as a potential power junior, but oh, another Queensland junior. Was, oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, this one's not in Victoria, so maybe New South Wales are getting in on the fun as well. But the, that front line for Sydney FC was just absolutely superb, weren't they? They just really tore the Raw apart. It wasn't a great afternoon for the Raw, but they did have a couple of chances in the game. They hit the woodwork twice, and Katrina Gorey did launch a couple of her traditional long-range strikes, which almost caught the goalkeeper out. So, in fairness, the Raw had some opportunities in the game, but Sydney were well and truly worth their win on the afternoon, and there's no no two ways about it, even if the score could have been a bit closer. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I wanted to get back to on this as well, where, yeah, all right, Sydney were probably the... No, they were definitely the better side, but even so, the Raw were, what, a couple of a couple of chances. So Palmer hit the post in the first half. Uh, Gorry hit the bar in the second half. And Gorry also had that long-range shot that I think, in the moment, we were all convinced it spilled over the uh, over the line, weren't we? No, uh, I, I thought I thought Katie offered it enough to... To save, but she certainly, yeah, she had a she had a bit of a rough time. I think it was lucky that you know the, that the Sydney defence are very very solid uh, because they would have really exposed as as eventually each each Norrie exposed her uh, with that consolation goal. So uh, with uh, Jada Wyman out with uh, yeah a broken finger, I think that which might actually rule her out of potentially the um, the uh, Cup of Nations will be held in February, which. I think that hasn't actually been... Sam Lewis I broke think, it, so we're fine too. Yeah, I, yeah. I was, Ticket Tech broke the story. Yeah. They're, they're selling tickets, so it's happening. Yeah, so... Gosford, Newcastle and Sydney, for anyone who wants to know. Yeah, yeah so well, I, I just I said that and I thought, oh, hang on, should I have said that? But yeah, look, getting back to on, on topic, but uh, yeah, look, Sydney Sydney were um, were, were very good, but uh, look, the Raw, again, had their chances. Uh, look, Katrina Gorey... I think again, even a losing effort proves why she's you know a, a starting Matilda going to the World Cup. Look, she was she was very very good. She did what she could, but uh, unfortunately, uh, not enough support in in that in that goal. It was it really was a game of moments as well. Where look, I'm not I'm not going to say that the Raw would have won, but you look at some of the chances they had, and you know we were not very far off having what could have been like a four three, five four 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 sort of thriller in the end and both teams were playing with backup goalkeepers and I, I will also mention Bella Shuttleworth got beaten four times couple you know I'm sure she'd like to have back but she had some pretty phenomenal saves in in that match as well I remember there was a point blank stop on I want to say Haley or possibly Princess Abini not much she could have done about that first goal by the way where Abini just shot that thing out of a uh, rifle or something after absolutely wrecking Tamar Levin, so unfortunately that's yeah one of uh, the youngsters' finer moments. But look again, uh, let's not understate it. Princess Abini is a, is a Matilda. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to prefer to focus on uh, how good Princess mm. Abini was because she was mm. phenomenal. Maddie Haley was a handful, as well as was Courtney Vine, and it was just yeah. Like, uh, was it the third or fourth goal that came off the free kick when Shuttleworth did? Excellent work to get over and save the free kick, but third, that was the third goal. Uh, Nally, that was the third yeah, Nally Tobin tapped in the fourth goal. I think uh, I think everyone involved, I think, would like to forget that. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, that 
that third goal was good save off a free kick that I think we all originally thought was a penalty based on uh, the signal of the referee. And the referee also, she had some... Like, mm. she let a lot go early on and I think was trying to let the game flow. But a bit of frustration was creeping in on both sides. And there were a couple of uh, fairly heavy challenges in the second half. And the only time I feel like it might have devolved into a bit of a training drill was after everything had settled down after Abini had that, I think, cheap shot on um, Talitha Kramer. Yeah, that was quite a strong challenge, wasn't it, for Talitha Kramer making her debut for the role player number 119 bowlers. And congratulations to Talitha. That was a pretty much a welcome to the Brisbane Raw from Princess Abini. Moment, Elbow wasn't and it? Right on, right, Absolutely right on the sideline in front of the Raw bench, and she did well to recover from that, Talitha. But I don't think after that, maybe it was a bit of a training grill, but... I don't, th- I don't think it was like that for the majority of the game. I think the Raw was certainly in the game. They had a couple of chances, even amongst the play that Sydney were creating in the first half. The Raw did have their chance. You mentioned Holly Palmer hit the um, hit the post. I think Shea Connors sent a shot. I might have Lewis Lacroix. One of the two had a shot. They went just past the post early on. So they had their chances in the game, and I thought they could have potentially got back in the game at halftime, but the fourth goal was probably a bit of a, a, bit of a, a, bit of a disappointment, and we have Garth first in a moment, and he pretty much said defensively they were nowhere near good enough. Yeah. I think that's that's fair to say. At a couple of moments in that game, James, defensively they did let themselves down. Yeah, but yeah, but overall it happens. Exactly, but well, at half time, like we were all thinking, you know, it was it was a weird feeling up where we were sitting, where there was a lot of um, a lot of the feeling of like. Yeah, Sydney were the better side, but you look at the chances the uh, teams had had. I think they both had registered eight shots on target. If you were just looking at the numbers, the Raw definitely weren't out of it. And I think it shows that to beat a team like Sydney FC and also, I suppose, by extension, uh, Melbourne City and maybe Western United, you are going to need everything to go perfectly for you on the day. And unfortunately, not everything went perfectly for the Raw, but... Yeah, you look at that side, and it is kind of what we were talking about last week, where that that's the gap between those top sides and the rest of the A-League women's. And look, they've assembled really good, a really good side down in Sydney FC. Ante Juric going to be in the mix for the uh, Matildas job at the end of the year, by the sounds of it. And well, you never know what is going to happen from there, but... It'd be a good assistant for Mello and Dredder, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we know who... Uh, we're throwing our very biased yeah. support behind. <laughs> but uh, even, though, even though I'm a huge fan of Ante Juric, but uh, yeah, I think, I think yeah, you know where my votes are if we, if we if we had any say in the matter. Well, you know what? You've teased a Gareth McPherson clip. Let's hear from uh, him after the match now. Um, Gareth, not the quite the result you were hoping for, but two off the post, one clear off the line. It could have been a very different game, couldn't it? Uh, yeah, we, but we, we don't want to win games 5-4. Yep. Um, that first half in terms of what we'd spoken about throughout the week and what we wanted to do was off the mark. Um, so it was nice to be able to show a bit of video at half time and kind of say, look, this is what we've spoken about. You can see how it's uh, hurting us by not getting it right. And the second half defensively was much improved. You know, I think that was um, it was probably the most pleasing thing. But yeah, plenty of chances to score as well, yeah. Is that the most disappointing as a coach? The clean sheet last week in Newcastle. We're <laughs> hoping for an improved performance today as well. Yeah. And- the start of the game wasn't quite what you were hoping for. No, no. That first 20 minutes and a couple of goals, 1v1 defensive errors, I mean, their weapons are going to be hard to stop. They, they're Matilda's um, starters every now and then. They're always going to be hard to stop. And our fullbacks did a um, did a great job. 
uh, they, but they will create chances when they get the ball to them. And um, yeah, unfortunately today they uh, they got the better a couple of times in that first half of our fullbacks, and yeah, it was, it was that. With Talitha back, um, Tegan Thompson, she was signed as a injury replacement. What's her status now? So Tegan will uh, train with us this coming week, and then her contract now finishes. So we did a bit of a thing at the end there, round of applause for her. Um, yeah, so she, her contract finishes, uh, and then she's open to sign new contracts. Um, I'm sure there are some other women's A-League clubs that might be watching some of her, her exploits in the last couple of weeks. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, we're obviously helping her try and find whatever it is that she wants to be doing. Um, yeah, she's been awesome. The girls love her. The team love her, definitely. And also with uh, the injury to Marielle for the season, would you be looking to bring players in uh, as an injury replacement for her? Uh, yeah, we're, we're having a look around. It's a really tough time of year. Uh, to be signing so there is a, a transfer a registration window opening up but you'll find most the only players are available are either free agents or they're uh, they've got to come in on loan from somewhere um, so we're, we're having a look Marielle is a is a big player for us is a key player in that creativity and that goal scoring um, so we're we are looking uh, but at the same time like today we're in no rush we, we back the players we've got and you know, Zara Kruger and Shay Connors and Sean Fryer and those types of players are, are given the opportunity to, to do the same. Would you consider keeping Tegan Thompson around as an injury reflection for Mario Hecker or would you look for a more attacking player in that scenario? Uh, look, we're, we, we'll consider everything. We've got plan A's all the way through to plan M's and N's and O's. So, uh, yeah, I, we're considering everything. But on our roster, a like for like in terms of the position itself, um, would be important. So that wide player, Marielle's X factor is the fact she can play central and wide. And most wingers are either rapid and quick or central players are uh, like creative and, and shorter and sharper running. Marielle gives you both. So she's going to be hard to find a like for like, uh, but ideally a more attacking base player. Thanks to Gareth for his time after what would have been a fairly rough afternoon at the office and... Like, I bumped into him after the game, and I have to admit, like, the one thing that I do like about McPherson as a coach is he had, you know, his side just got beaten by a really good team, but he didn't seem too downcast about it all. I think he knows what he's building with this side, and if there's one really positive aspect that you want to have, compare where this side was in December last year, or was it after five games last year, however many they've played, to where they are now. They've lost one of their chief playmakers, uh, Mariel Hecker, to a knee injury. And in spite of that, I feel like they're leaps and bounds of where they were ahead of where they were 12 months ago. I think I think it is a case that, uh, yeah, look, uh, I, th- I think that um, Gareth has a lot of confidence in this squad. It's just putting it together and getting and getting a bit of luck go the way. I, I don't... I, I personally don't think that there's going to be much... Uh, yeah, obviously they have a buy this week, but I don't think too much is going to change as far as you know swinging the axe left, right, and centre. Like as as I said, we don't want to use injuries as an excuse, but look, it's going to be more and more apparent as we go along that what a huge blow Mariel Hecker 
you know, gone for the season is for this for this side, and it might. To be honest, if we if we have if we actually were to reassess our predictions, it's, it's almost her loss would be enough to say, look, do I think the Raw uh, top four? Yeah, I hope. I she's saying less and less. I think she was a massive part of that, but that's not going to stop them trying. And and they still have obviously a very very good side, and they should beat more teams than than not. But at the moment, you know, running into a team like Sydney, who are now five straight wins. Uh, yeah, that I think the the golf in class was exposed on Saturday. Yeah, Sydney being better than I thought they were going to be. Western United clearly mm. being better than we all thought <laughs> they were going to be. And then the injury to Mario Hecker does mean that a, a top four finish for the Raw, well, not impossible, is going to be a bit more difficult than we initially thought. But also, you have from Gatwick first in there, Tegan Thompson did play her last game for the Raw and her injury replacement contract. It didn't sound like there, as you heard, that it was going to be an option to keep Tegan around, although I don't, if they're not going to bring in an attacking player to replace Mariel Hecker, I don't know why they wouldn't just keep Tegan around, given how well she's played in the last couple of weeks, James, but it does sound like Tegan Thompson is moving on as well, so the numbers are starting to be d- diminished a bit for this Raw squad, aren't they? So I think they might need to try and bring somebody in if they at all possibly can, but the, the top four mix as we thought it was six weeks ago is probably a bit different now given the, what we've seen over the first third of the season. Yeah, and I honestly think like Tom, uh, Thompson in a brief stint with the Raw has been really, really impressive and shown that she is more than capable of playing at this level. And I thought she held her own on what was a really, really tough assignment uh, on Saturday afternoon. And yeah, I, I think I, I would like to see her stick with the side. But, you know, like with a lot of these things, it can be on the player to make the decision on if they want to extend their stay uh, with the team as well. We know that playing NPL, she would have a day job to consider uh, coming up as well, and presumably a... uh, Well, I'm guessing she will be back at Lions, and please don't uh, uh, hunt me down for this, uh, Rob Scanlon, but if she wants to stay with the Roar, I think that would be a really good boost for that squad as well, because she seems quite popular uh, amongst the team. I just think she's been been one of their better players over the last... um uh, month or so she, she, that she's actually been playing. I think she did an excellent job on uh, Courtney Vine. We all know how destructive she can be. That Courtney Vine can be off that that right right wing. And uh, look, Tegan held held her own against her. So um, a few times that she got found out. But you know, it's not going to be the first and last time that Courtney Vine makes a defender look look very very silly as we as we hope in the next coming months. So uh, yeah, but as you said, like the reason why I haven't absolutely you know Tropo about you know what are the raw thinking is because you're right you have to consider that um, perhaps it might be personal circumstances and maybe Tegan herself has said no I can't commit to a full A League contract you know be it with the raw or any other club so but certainly I think she's a capable player but uh, look at the end of the day you have to be careful without asking the player themselves you know what they want as well like not not we got to remember not every player that comes through MPL wants to be or can be a professional footballer. Hey, did you know uh, her brother Andy also plays uh, football as well? I think it's come up once or twice. Yeah, allegedly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, uh, we will wrap up with our 3-2-1 votes. And Adam, I am going to throw you under the bus because you have the votes in front of you. Yeah, and no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't actually revealed my votes for a while. So, so yeah. But uh, look, three points. Katrina Gorey, as I said uh, before, clearly the best player for the Raw at the moment. She she tried and tried uh, as she could. Larissa Crummer, two points uh, for a fiftieth game. Look, uh, 
look, she, she tried hard. She had some chances, just, uh, yeah, just uh, couldn't find back her net. But look, she, she again has, you know, has proved me a very, very pivotal cog in the raw machine. And look, one point for Talitha Kramer. When I thought she was very, very good when she came on in the second half. And uh, look, I, I actually have high hopes for her. I think that, you know, that she will at least stabilize that um, fullback role either side for the Raw in the coming weeks, as it would have been had she not had that knee injury at the start of the season. Uh, so, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, my uh, votes for this round. There we go. And as you mentioned, the uh, women are off for the coming weekend, so we will not be recapping their game next weekend unless they're having some sort of internal match that uh, Gareth feels like inviting us to. You know, we could do a very entertaining commentary. <laughs> As no, Scott, I think he's as, for a while. Yeah, <laughs> as Scott is. Yeah, you can go. I think we've been with Gareth enough, so you can go and cover that one on behalf of the Brisbane Football Review, James, and provide that um, entertaining commentary, as you, as you put it. Well, there we go. I'm glad you finally admitted I was entertaining. Well, your words, not mine. <laughs> All right. Now, we do have one very brief news story that we uh, should touch on before we move on to the coming weekend, and there have been changes to the Asian Champions League and... AFC Cup, etc. Scott? Yes, there's been some voting going on around Asia, both at the international and at the club. We might deal with the international stuff regarding nations joining the AFC when that and if that becomes official, but the AFC have announced that they have changed the qualification process, oddly, um, not the process, the allotment, I should say, for, for East Asia. And Australia now has one spot in the Asian Champions League only and I'm going to assume that's for the Premier's Plate winner, and one spot in the newly formed AFC Cup, which, again, I would imagine would be for the Australia Cup winner. So only one direct spot now, James, for four teams participating directly from the A-League. So that does put a real prize at the end of the um, Premier's Plate. I know the um, the APL have been trying to make the um, Premier's Plate a more relevant and prestigious honour, and given it's now the only guaranteed path for an Australia, for an A-League side, they've certainly achieved that. The A, the AFC Cup spot, I think, is great for the Australia Cup. If an NPL side were to ever win that competition, it'd be a great spot for them to get into. But that's the way it's gone, James. I think it's based on results for the Australian club sides in Asia. And given at least one of the last couple of years, the A-League sides have pulled out because of travel concerns related to the pandemic. It's understandable that their coefficient has dropped. But it's now one in the Champions League and one in the AFC Cup. Yeah, I have to admit, I really don't like the fact that this is another way that the Grand Final has been cheapened. Like, if the AFC Cup spot was to go to the champion, the Grand Final winner, and the Premier goes to the Asian Champions League, I get it, but I think this is... It's getting really, really hard to justify having a Grand Final when... Right now, all you do, all you're playing for is a trophy. When it seems like they're actively going out of their way to try and make it less and less relevant. Like you're playing for a trip to the glorious city of Sydney. Yeah, great. Well, actually, to be fair, having uh, looked up flight prices uh, over the last week, that might actually be a bigger price than having to fly to uh, Tokyo or Seoul or something like that. Anyway. Yeah, sorry, just 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 trying to uh, get a handle on uh, what with, with that. Uh, look, the AFC Cup itself, um, where where we've in the past, it has been the sort of the second tier as far as that. If you were a top 
10 nation I, I do believe in Asia that you couldn't uh, represent but now every nation can actually every Asian nation can actually put teams so it actually has become more like what the Europa League has become to the UEFA Champions League so I think that's where that direct qualification you know for I, I assume your straight cup winner comes into it uh, as far as but what was not clear is that as far as qualification as going through the, the um the qualifiers i don't think that was too explained so i think that needs to be you know a, a explored a bit more further i was just I, I was just looking up and seeing whether the afc have confirmed that uh, about how the qualification process for future champions leagues uh go as well as the uh, afc cup and uh so I think there's more to come on that, but it's certainly different. But it certainly does show that you know that the AFC certainly put more importance on uh, the Premier, on the uh, league, and the uh, league winner, as opposed to the Australian way of putting it all on uh, the grand final winner, which again is in step more with traditional values in football rather than the sort of the Australianized way, for, for lack of a better term. And I don't, I don't mind the fact that they. Uh, put it, oh, they're giving the Premier the spot in the um, in the Asian Champions League, but I, again, why like why have you got a grand final then? Because look, I'm I'm a firm defender of the final series, the grand final concept, and you know you, you're creating more relevant matches for fans to get behind. Now, you know if only they could be moved back to where they should be, but. Um, yeah, I, I just don't be coming up with novel ideas like that, James. <laughs> yeah, who, 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 I think. Who, oh, sorry, sorry, just I'm, just an answer to your question about that. The reason why they don't is because it's it's Australia that's our lockstep with the rest of the confederation. Like the the J League doesn't have a final series. The K League doesn't have a final series. So if you were to have all of a sudden have the A League, what we call the A League champion, as the grand final winner, how are they how are they in lockstep with you know, a quote a champion in one of those other in one of those other major leagues, or you know, across in in West Asia. So I think that's where the the problem lies. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I can just I can also see where the AFC comes because they look stuff like the Korean FA Cup, the Emperor's Cup, and all that. That's a cup competition that is the same level as as the Australia Cup. So that's where their cup winner comes from. Whereas you know, we we because we have our ways. That the grand final winner, but it'd be very, very hard to say apples for apples for the grand final winner to be the champion as compared to the champion being the league winner. But my, my counter to that, though, is just what's the difference between... Well, why put the FFA... Not FFA Cup. Bugger, I knew I was going to say that. <laughs> put the Australia Cup winner ahead of the grand final. I've like If you want to really give the grand final the prestige that sort of event should have. And I know this is speaking from a very strictly Australian perspective. Why do you not... Like, why are you making it worth less than the Australia Cup? That's my that's my big question. And again, this is all just working off what we assume is going to be the case. But right now, that basically means that the... Like, the final series and grand final, for lack of a better phrase, is just an end-of-season bonus. Can I just clarify something? So... I've just done some research while you were both talking. The um, Champions League spot is for the the uh, premiers, but it says to be confirmed. It's because it's two. The um, this says because there's two A leagues to be played between the time the 
they've announced this as opposed to when it kicks off that they're not sure which team the, um, is going to be getting in so it's to be confirmed by Football Australia who the official participant will be but for the AFC Cup it's actually based on what I could do it's two spots so it's the Australia Cup winner and that's listed as MacArthur it says that MacArthur will be playing in the 2023-24 AFC Cup as the 2022 Australia Cup winners and there's a second spot which is to be confirmed that could be for the 2023 Australia Cup winner it could be for a potential grand final winner that's to be confirmed but there is one spot there for the premiers probably going to be Melbourne City if we're being brutally honest both years about it yep probably be brutally honest <laughs> to be Melbourne City in the Champions League MacArthur are locked in for a spot in the AFC Cup and there's a to be confirmed spot which could be for the grand final winner it could be for second place 2023 yeah well 2023 I have to wait it's because there's two yeah because it haven't had it for a while and there's two years worth of Participants, I think, is what um, the confusion. Yeah, the, the AFC Champions League and the and the Intercontinental, I guess, club program is shifting from the calendar year to the you know, obviously the, the summer year. So it actually becomes all of a sudden in line with um, Australia and out of step with the rest of East Asia. So again, uh, look, it, it probably shoots a hole through my um, my proclamation of four is that oh that Australia are the outlier because all of a sudden they're, they're changing their intercontinental club competition to be in line with Europe which is what the A-League is based on so and West Asia more to the point it's now in line with West yeah, Asia true. not East Asia yeah. which just shows the dominance of the uh, West Asian power block at the moment in Asian football who all of a sudden became must see with that um, that guy that just signed for that club haven't you got one of his jerseys Scott? no I don't actually uh, yeah, well, okay, if the grand final winner still gets a spot in the AFC Cup alongside the um, Australia Cup winner, then I withdraw all of my complaints. Yeah, I, that, I think you can keep your complaints. I reckon it'll be the 2023 Australia Cup winner, so your well, complaints can, will, will, yeah. will remain valid. Actually, sorry, just one last thing I uh, thought of as well along those lines. So it's two spots in the AFC Cup, and that's every AFC Cup. Well, that's what it says on 23-24, so I assume it's going to stay the so same. Presume, so they might have some tough decisions to make in the coming, like for the 23-24 editions of these competitions, but maybe from 24-25 it will be Premiers to the Champions League and the Grand Final and Australia Cup winners to the AFC Cup. Yeah, I, again, I, if, if it's, it's going it's to be... It's an ice cream headache. Yeah, I, I just think, yeah, I think the Grand... The, quite grand final winners designation I just don't think that comes into it as far as the AFC goes uh, I think that's yeah it's again you're right it does it does ask questions about the validity of why I have a grand final and all that but again this is the purview of coming out of Kuala Lumpur not out of Sydney and also I suppose as well you've got to remember like the grand final winner has been good enough to get into the Champions League or Champions League qualifying for basically the last 17 years or whatever because you, you'd expect them to be the first or second team anyway so that's why it's never been it's never been an issue in the past yeah and remember and remember the joy of uh, Melbourne victory when they stole that grand final in Newcastle in uh, 2018 to knock Melbourne City out of the Asian Champions <laughs> League as true, well yes. so so for me it's a case of like the grand final still has to have some meaning and aside from the title of champions there needs to be something to stop cheapening the trip to Sydney James that's the selling point <laughs> You get to visit the great city of Sydney to watch the grand final. Didn't you hear what they just said? It's tradition now. Yeah. Anyway, let's quite, move on. Because, we need the money. Because I'm pretty sure we just spend about 10 minutes talking ourselves in a circle on something that 
may still change between now and when it actually comes into uh, comes into work. Now we do have two uh, A League men's matches for the Raw coming up. We've got Friday night down in Melbourne against the Victory in what will probably be a pretty eerie Amy Park atmosphere because it's not the Victory's first match in Amy Park since the Derby pitch invasion, but it is their first home game since the Derby pitch invasion. So we'll see the full extent of the. Uh, Football Australia sanctions on the club and everything. Um, I'm sure it will probably be a little bit hodgepodge as uh, people just work out what they are and aren't allowed to do. But uh, it is going to be a big measuring stick for the Raw, Adam. Yeah, just just on the uh, off-field dramas for Melbourne Victory, I understand that it's really that uh, the administration there have had a real headache, you know, placating their members or not. Because I, I understand that it's the northern. If you're a North End member. You are barred from from attending. Whereas uh, apparently, if you're at the south end, which is also deemed as an active area, you are you are given a general mission ticket to go somewhere else. So I look, I don't want to get involved. I don't know the machinations and all that, but there has been a lot of uh, a lot of sort of you know, carry on down there between the members about who is actually quite a valid member on the pitch. Um, look, Actually, sorry, Adam, yeah, just yeah. quickly, I want to jump in and say, yeah. like, I understand people directing a lot mm. of their ire towards victory, APL, Football Australia for all of this, but let's not forget, they're not the ones that stormed the pitch. If you've got frustrations, first and foremost, point it at those people. Point it at those idiots that decided, hey, you know what, we've got, a, we're going to take a few steps back on the evolutionary scale and start acting like monkeys short of throwing feces at people. At least I hope they did. Yeah. Anyway, back to on the pitch. No, they, no, they just throw, they just throw uh, sand buckets, but uh, which is probably close to it. But uh, look, but let's let's sort of focus on the pitch. Melbourne Victory uh, form has been a bit scratchy of late, but uh, look, they're they're a good enough side that if they can put it together, they'll um, like I said, they're they're a very formidable team. I, look, I think uh, I may go the uh, really uh, conservative route again. I can see another Brisbane draw. Yeah, I'm tipping a 1-1 draw for this one as well. Scott, what about you? It's a safe bet, but I'm actually going to... I think there's an ambush on here, to tell you the truth. I think Melbourne victory on the field. You're speaking all the off-field stuff with the supporters and who can go and all the rest of it, and I think that that they will be up for it as a fan base their first game back and all the rest of it. But on the field, there's been a lot of questions, marks, questions thrown at this Melbourne victory side and Tony Popovich after losing the last couple of games or not playing particularly well in the last two games in a row with losses thank you James I've also not been playing terribly well real question marks raised over the midfield which we've just said for the last couple of weeks is the Raw's issue as well I think this is an ambush opportunity I think Victory are going to come out really really strongly here they will want to make a real statement they're at home against a side who who are not necessarily great at Amy Park particularly against Melbourne Victory I expect them to come out really really strongly in this game and if they are a chance to make a run in the second half, they would be saying they have to win the game. For the Raw, I think a draw would be a pretty good result, actually, because I expect this to be... This is one of those games you look at and think, oh, victory is struggling. They'll go down there and they'll beat them quite handily and then go to Perth and to maybe pick up six points out of six. But this is a real, real trap game for me, and I think the Raw are going to have to be their absolute best to get something out of it. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And uh, as you just alluded to there, Scott, the Raw are heading over to Perth for a round six catch-up match uh, at Perth now that Macedonia Park is ready, and 
Well, look, I, <laughs> you talk about an ambush. This will be the Raw's first, Raw men's first trip to Perth since, I want to say, 2019? It's, it's been a while since they've actually played in Perth. So yeah. it, it is going to be a little bit of an adjustment with the long flight, getting everything uh, ready to play over there again. Because it was Hobart, like, or Launceston last year, right? Where they had to play Gloria yes. away. Yes. And look, it's a Perth side that probably is a step below the rest of the competition. But as we know, wonky things can happen out in the West. And Perth are always good for, as you described, it's got one of those ambush performances where they just come out and say, Eh, you know what? We, we we might actually want to be as competitive as possible today. Yeah, I think the ambush is more going to happen at Amy Park than at than at um, Macedonia Park in midweek. But that is, of course, the Raw have played the traditional home club of Macedonia Park, Sterling Lions, in the FFA Cup now Australia Cup a long time ago. They didn't play at Macedonia Park, so it's their first trip there. But it is crazy to think it's been that long since the Raw have played in a major A-League city like Perth, isn't it? It has been, probably has been since 20, 2019, maybe early 2020. I'm not sure when they would have played in that season, but I'm it's been a long time since they've been to I, Perth. December 2019 rings a bell. I know they had a really early game, a really early game, early fixture in Perth that season. And then obviously then the, the shutdown the shutdown happened, yeah. so... Because I think I'm, from what I remember that season, I think the Raw, we, I think we said, oh, we got... Um, we've got the, the long trip out of the way early. Yeah, it's interesting. Off the field, it's the first trip for all time. On the field, it'll be an interesting game because Perth are just starting to find something. Now they're getting a bit of a run of home games, so it'll be interesting to see exactly how they go. I'm assuming Adam Taggart will also be maybe making his first or second appearance back in Perth Glory Colours against one of his many former A-League clubs he's played for, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. But Keegan Yeltich is also oh. going to be playing in this game James, and we, we all know his history with the Raw. He was here for a while, didn't quite make his breakthrough, went back to Olympic in the NPL, did outstandingly well, and Perth picked him up. And I thought they were picking him up as you know a squad player, maybe developmental, have him in around the group this year and maybe unleash him in 12 months' time. He's gone over there, James. He's been absolutely outstanding in that midfield area for the Perth glory. And I think he'll have a really big game. I'm not sure he'll necessarily score or anything like that, but I'm sure he'll have a really big game and want to prove a point that he does belong at the A-League level and the Raw did miss did misstep by letting him go so I think he's one to really keep an eye on in this game which will be a quite late kickoff over here in in Queensland. Yes, a 9pm uh, kickoff I'm pretty sure which means uh, we'll have to work out our recording schedule for next week but I've just looked up that game in 2019 October 13th it was a 1-1 draw can you either of you name the Raw's goal scorer that day? Oh, was this round one? Ah, uh, yes. I do remember this game now. Then, I didn't take it, wasn't it? Nope. No, it was under the former manager from England. Who's, the predecessor. Whose name we've, we've kind oh, of him. Uh, scrubbed from mentioning. Uh, oh, the redacted one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who did score? I'll say O'Donovan. Adam? Yeah, oh, I think I think it was uh, Roy O'Donovan. I think ding, 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 ding. It was Roy O'Donovan with a 95th minute equaliser. Oh. There you go. If in doubt, just pick the number nine from that year, and you got half a chance. <laughs> now there, there have been some uh, Perth home games since then, which I'm pretty sure weren't played at HPF Park, like Flash Score is listing them on. Uh, there was a 3-1 win for Perth in February last year. 
which is listed at HBO. That was... I'm pretty sure that was down in uh, Tasmania. I think it was Launceston. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. Was that the game Lascano got subbed in the first half? No, it was one where Jack Hingett scored in uh, first half stoppage time. Oh, yeah, that was that... Uh, no, I think it wasn't... Um, yes, they did go to Perth yeah. in round 19. Well, don't they we... did go to Perth in round 19 last oh. year. Well, don't we all sound like idiots then? <laughs> But the trivia question was fun anyway. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. Just, uh, just, on, just on this game as well, like uh, Scott mentioned Keegan Yelchich as well. Carlo Armiento goes back to Perth and also as well, so I'm sure he'll have a bit to prove, as would his trade buddy, Luke Ivanovich. And I still say that the Raw got the better half of that trade so far. Is he even in the Perth squad? Yes. He, he, was on the, he, he was on the bench. Yeah. Because he may not even be on the bench then if Adam Taggart is coming in, mm. so... So he may not even get the chance for revenge against um, his old club, but Carlo Armiento certainly will. All right. Well, look, I don't know how we just got an hour plus out of um, all that, but we did. But that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Yep, thank you and good night. Thank you, Scott. Good to know we've got that as uh, filler options if we need it in the coming weeks. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week to review it. We're kind of going to have to play it by ear based on fixtures and news and everything if anything drops Monday or Tuesday, but we will be back in some way, shape, or form next week to review it all on the Brisbane Football Review, and we'll talk to you then.